Hey, Connect Church, PD, in God's house, you're in your house. Are you ready today to receive the word of God? If you are, I want to see some hearts. I want to see some love. You are ready to hear the word of God. Listen, we're starting a new series today entitled Multiply. Multiply. This was a word that God gave me at the beginning of the year, but it's taken me this long to figure out what to say. <laughs> and so listen, I want to talk to you about this subject of being a multiplier. And I want to give you some personal motivation, a challenge to become a multiplier. Now for me to become a multiplier, I can see it uh, all through the scriptures, these challenges that I think are there for you too. We're called by God to be a multiplier in his word. He says, be fruitful and multiply. That's one reason uh, alone to be a multiplier. But God also wants us to be a multiplier because he wants the church of Jesus Christ to saturate the earth with the gospel, with the good news. And he tells us uh, one of the great commandments, excuse me, great commission is to go into all the world and make or multiply yourself in somebody else as a disciple. And then I would say the third reason that I'm motivated and I hope you're motivated to become a multiplier is because for those of you who have made Jesus Christ your sin bearer, you're one day going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he wants to give you rewards. And those rewards are determined by what you did in this life with what he gave you. And he's either going to say to you, according to the parable of the talents, uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or he's going to rebuke us for being wicked and lazy with what he gave us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear the the latter. I want to hear the former. I want to hear good and faithful. Good job. You multiplied what I gave you. Now listen, most Christians don't live with this in mind. They don't think or behave um, multiplicatively. And within the local church, we're often uh, kind of in three different lanes. We have attenders, we have members, and we have multipliers. Or I sometimes say fringe frequent flyers, and family. See, because I think the family should be multiplicative. The family grows. The family is enlarged. In its, the family assumes responsibilities and roles for the whole household of, 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 of the, the, the immediate family. And it's supposed to be the same way in the household of faith. Um, and so today, we're going to start dealing with one of the obstacles roadblocks to multiplication. I'm also going to unpack our regather vision. I know some of you have heard it. I've talked to groups. I've leaked it out in different ways. I've talked to our dream team. But today I want to just kind of unpack it for all of you rather quickly. Now, what I heard as a quote a long time ago is if we don't have a vision for the future, there's always a default or, um, or there's always a tendency to want to return to our past. And so I want to give you some fresh vision on how to be a multiplier, some fresh vision on how our church is going to multiply as well. Now here's the big idea if you're taking notes, and I know you are because his note takers are Come on, write it in the chat. I'm not even going to say it. All right, I'll say it. History makers. Um, but here's the big idea. We can't experience the new thing God wants to do in us if we hold too tightly to the former thing God already did. 
I hope you guys grab a hold of that. You got to get the new thing, you got to let go of the old thing. Isaiah 43:19 in the message it says it like this. Forget about it. No, that's my translation. It says forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over the old history. Be alert, be present, like be in the now. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? Now, I put in my notes here, I think the answer is most people don't see the new thing that God is doing because we're hanging on to what was. We're hanging on to the normal we knew. And because of that, we're not able to see the brand new thing that God is about to do. We're longing for the good old days. Ecclesiastes 7.10 says it like this. Don't long for the good old days, Derek. This is not wise. Ecclesiastes, the scriptures tell us we should be looking ahead. We should be letting go of what is behind. Have you ever heard this term, the new normal? I'm sure you have. If you've been on TV or the media or the news, you've certainly heard this term. I did a little Wikipedia study, look, wicka, 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 little Wikipedia study as to where this term emerged. And it starts all the way back to after World War I. The troops had come home. They've arrived on the shores of our lands. And everyone is kicking the dust off their feet, beginning to settle into their homes, to their family life. And every Everyone is preoccupied, frankly, desperate to see things go back to normal. And this phrase came out of that, knowing it was impossible. What is the new norm going to be now? And this term has been around ever since. Every major tragedy, every major event, whether it be national, whether it be uh, global, whether it be a pandemic, uh, this is what we hear. What is the new norm? And I want to talk to you a little bit about that as it relates to you and as it relates to the church. I remember in, uh, you know, September, uh, you know, you know, uh, 11, 2001, uh, you know, the terrorist attacks. uh, That was kind of the thinking, you know, we're never going to be able to go back to the way things were. Nothing will be the same again. What is the new normal Uh, in 2008 when we had our kind of economic uh, crash? uh, Things will never go back to the way they were. Uh, we, We don't even just use this term. Uh, for some of the major social problems or economic problems or, or uh, you know, um, global problems. We use this term on a personal level. When we have our own challenges, when we're experiencing personal loss. Uh, you know, I know somebody that lost a loved one. Every single day, she would talk to her husband. Every single day, interacting with her husband. And then he went on to, he went on to heaven to, and he passed on to be with the Lord. And, and so now she's like, what, what will my new normal be now? Because everything is different now. I've got to find my new normal. And that, uh, that, uh, that thought process, I'd like to kind of just put over the forefront of your mind. I've got to find my new normal. And as a pastor of a church, along with many other faith leaders in the region and even nationally, this is the topic. You know, what is the church's new norm. How will it look from now on? And, uh, you know, we, we, can't, we can't even shake hands or, or hug like we did. And we can't lay hands on people in church. And, and, and we've got to set up, the, even this room right now, the churches, the chairs are all set up for a small service that we're having for our dream team. Uh, you know, we, can we serve coffee again? What will the new norm of the church be like? And yet on the other side, there is a brand new thing. 
And all of it hasn't unfolded completely. But as we let go of the past and look for the new, God can show us a new thing. For example, I am pastoring more people digitally than any other time in my life. I'm actually pastoring people that God cares about and loves that I may never see. It's amazing, on one hand, the reach that has been made possible because of what has happened through this COVID crisis. And from the beginning of this crisis, more by character than intelligence, I've been saying, we're not going back to the normal because God has something new. And I want that to sink into your spirit. If I'm your pastor and God is speaking to me through you, I want something to sink in, to settle in. God wants to do something brand new in you. And God wants to do something brand new in the church of Jesus Christ. And more specifically, God wants to do something new in Connect Church. And I'm not trying to be prophetic. I don't necessarily think that's my gift. I'm probably more pathetic. But God doesn't want us to go back to normal. And sometimes there are these certain moments these, these uh, divine disruptions that transpire where what was is not an option anymore. And we may need to face that reality in order for God to bring us his new reality, his new ideas, his new innovations, in order for him to bring these new realities to the forefront of our lives and our ministries. And so I want to remind you from God's word, and I want to remind you from the nature of God as well, his character, that sometimes there are these watershed, uh, turning point, uh, defining moments in our lives where through tragedy, through trial, uh, through pain, uh, through crisis in our lives, whatever that might be, uh, God is trying to say to us, that's not an option, but I have a new opportunity that's over here for you. And once you go, you, once you give that up, God can take you to this new normal. But some of you, you're stuck. Some of you are staying uh, in the middle. You're, you're, you're in the middle because you want the nostalgia of what was. You want, you're still holding on and dreaming about the good old days. Uh, back to the place of comfort. And maybe God doesn't want us to go back to the normal, to the nostalgic and to the comfortable because he has a new normal. Do you know God, I've said this for 30 years, God is not interested in your comfort. He's interested in building your character, who you are in God. And so this COVID thing has been a calling out. It's been a, it's been a watershed moment. It's been a defining moment for the church. It's been a defining moment for our country. It's been a defining moment for us as Christ followers. And things in our world, yeah, they're a mess in many ways. The egg has cracked and you can't unscramble it, but you can make an omelet. <laughs> Come on, somebody, that'll preach. So this has been on my heart for you for months. I've learned, um, you know, in some areas of life, like the physical, there's no, there's no gain without pain. And we, we say N-O, no pain, N-O, no gain. But it's K-N-O-W, if, K-N-O-W. If you can know pain, embrace that something good can come out of this, you can K-N-O-W, no revelation, no gain. Something empowering, something uh, even supernatural, something multiplicative can come out of that. And so you, you know if you look back at your life, at the lid-lifting moments in your life, that you did not grow through success. You grew, you, grew, you changed, you pivoted through pain. 
through painful moments. And so I, I just believe that it's those things and it's this thing that we're in now that's trying to force growth push you to growth, push you to a new normal, push you to what I call strange blessings. On one hand, it's, ugh, it's so tough. It's, it's, it's terrible. I miss this. But on the other hand, look what's happening uh, to my family and the nucleus of it getting stronger. Look at the things that have been revealed that I can see now that I didn't see before because crisis, crisis can bring clarity if you can embrace and know the pain. And so there's a story um, of Peter, the fisherman, and you can see it in Luke 5 when he's called. You can see it in John chapter 21, which is where we'll focus today. And I want to I go there for a little bit. Jesus had, uh, in the context, he'd been crucified already, and they were fishing. Um, Peter went fishing with the boys. They're fishing all night. They didn't catch a thing. I was actually going to call this message, uh, When the Fish Aren't Biting. Uh, a friend of mine named it that. I think it's a great name. But what happens... What happens when the normal isn't working? So I want you to make the connection between when the fish aren't biting this story and when the normal isn't working in our life. You know what happens, though? I'll tell you. I'll skip to it. God comes. God allows. God brings one or all of those things a disruption. A disruption. God often makes us, allows us to become uncomfortable to bring about change so he can bring about something better. New is better. That's the title of my message, by the way. New is better. And so I, I believe God wants to do something great in your life. And we see some things in Peter's life that I think are indicative of the things we do in our lives as well. And so let's go to John chapter 21. I'm going to give you a two-point message. And the context, again, it's after the crucifixion. Uh, Peter has failed and denied Christ. And watch how Peter tries to go back to the good old days. Watch how as a result of that he makes certain mistakes and he nearly misses a major defining moment in his life because he wants to go back to the comfort. He wants to go back to the known. He wants to go back to the standard behavior. And in John chapter 21 verse 3, Jesus has risen. Peter hasn't seen him yet. Watch what Peter does. It says in verse 3, I'm going out to fish. PD, what's wrong with fishing? Nothing. Uh, you know, it's nothing wrong with that at all. He says, I'm going back to fish, uh, but he's going back to what is familiar. He's going back to what is comfortable and what he's known. And then it says, um, Simon Peter tells him, I'm going fishing. And they, all the people that were around him, watch this. They said, we'll go with you. We'll go with you. So they went out, all of them went together, and they got in a boat. But that night, they caught nothing there's so much packed into that statement. There's so much revelation. They caught nothing. They went back to the normal, and, and, and first, he influences others to go with him. That's what misery loves company. People that want to go back to the normal don't want to go back there alone. And then he goes back to the normal, and it's not productive at all. And so let me dive into this text a little more and extrapolate two principles that I believe are not they're for you along this journey that we're in right now, personally and as a church. And if you can, if you can uh, receive these principles, it will help you see the new reality, the new horizon, and the new beginning that God has for you. Write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, the unfamiliar always 
fuels the desire for normal. The unfamiliar always fuels the desire for normal. So whenever we're in uncharted waters, new territory, painful situations, crisis mode, our default or our tendency is to run back to what was comfortable. Some of you moms are out there right now and you're longing for the days when you could get up in the morning, you know, uh, get a cup of coffee, hair going everywhere, try to help your kids get ready for school, you know, get their clothes, their pajamas off, their clothes on, their lunch back, lunch boxes packed, get them, drive them to school, go to work, get out of work in time, just, just enough time to pick them up, you know, take them to soccer practice on the way back, go through Mickey D's, get some food, eat it on the way, leave the van no matter what condition it is, get the kids in, you know, in the bathtubs, clean them up, put them in bed, you know, go to bed, passed out, repeat. Some of you can't wait. You long for that, that, that familiar because because what is unfamiliar, what is unprecedented, what is unchartered is so stressful. And Peter's no different. Remember that in the Gospel of uh, Luke chapter 5, he had given up his former life. He had given up his business as a fisherman. And now things aren't working out quite the way he thought they were going to go. This following Jesus thing, he thought it would be different. And in this unfamiliar time, he wants to return to the normal. He wants to go back fishing with the boys. He wants to be back in control. I'm thinking of a Janet Jackson song, and I want to sing it, but I won't. But, but how many know? That in the middle of that, God has a plan. In the middle of that unfamiliar, that un- discomfort that we have, God always has a plan. Remember the children of Egypt, it was the same way. They were in 400 years of slavery. They, their wives were being raped. Uh, they were living completely powerless. And, and Moses comes and takes them out. And they're about to uh, part the re- uh, walk across the Red Sea. And in that defining moment, they want to go back. Because it was so unfamiliar, it was so unchartered, it was so unprecedented. Yet on the other side of that was a promised land. On the other side of that was a new thing and a better thing that God had for them. Maybe that's you and I. In some way we're not seeing that God has better, that God has something new. And new is better, but sometimes we have to let go of the old. The normal, what is the normal? The definition of normal is conforming to a standard. The usual, the typical, or the expected. For some of us, that sounds pretty good. I'll take it. It would be nice, perhaps, to wake up and have our routine. I love routine. I'm a man of routine. Um, I'm a mama's boy when it comes to that. But normal is not going to happen right now. And every time that you want to grow and every time you want to emerge and go to another level, it's connected to change. It's connected to a disruption. It's connected to you getting outside of your comfort zone. Write this down. This is so powerful. Write this down. Everything you want and need is on the other side of your comfort zone. Everything you want and need is on the other side of your comfort zone. Education, your health, a a new business, uh, a strong family, uh, a vibrant church. Everything we need, everything you need is, is on the other side of your comfort zone. Connect Church will embrace, in Jesus' name, a new normal. And so what does that mean for you? What does that mean for us on the other side? See, I hear these principles, Pastor, and I agree with them, but I hate them. You know why we hate them sometimes? Because it requires trust. It requires faith. 
And God in his wisdom and in omniscience has determined that you and I were created to be interdependent beings. Not just me all by myself, not just me and God, not just me and people, but me with God and me with people in order to grow. And so for us to move forward, think about it. Are you trusting God or are you trusting your job? I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, cavalier about the losses that people have suffered. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm here as a preacher. That's a hope dealer. I'm not, you didn't turn on this, this on and decide to listen to me to get beaten down, okay? But, but is God really your source? And if you believe he is, if you're trusting more in your abilities, though, if you're trusting more in your employer than God, then we're going to yield certain results as a result of that thinking. Let me say it another way, though. Um, I have to go through it before I can get to it. See, I've said this before, but Christians are not in crisis. We're called to go through crisis. And so this is an opportunity for us. I have to go through it before I can get to it. I just can't get to that new thing. Poof, you know, shazam, hyperspace, this new mountain, this new norm without a test of faith without a test of trust. I have a vision myself for this church, for for a type of church that I want to pastor. But you know what God's saying? You're going to have to go through some unfamiliar. You're going to have to go through some uncharted waters. You're going to have to go through, through some hard and painful territory, and it could be difficult, but if you do, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing. And so I have to give up control. And let God have control. Does anybody have a problem with control out there besides me? Please help a brother out, okay? Um, but if when you give up control fully to God, that's when God is fully the Lord of your life. And so we usually are only comfortable when we're in control, when we're, we don't let Jesus take the wheel. And, and we're often uncomfortable when, when things seem out of control. And so, but yet that's a place of trust. That's a place of faith. We don't know when the kids are going to go back to school and how school's going to look. We don't know what work's going to look like and what the offices are going to look like. We don't know what it's going to look like, you know, church in the next zero to 12 months. Nobody's in control right now, but God is is still in control. When life is out of control, don't confuse that with God. Never confuse life with God. When life is out of control, God is still in control. And he is not surprised by this. He is not taken off guard by this or anything. In fact, he could be leveraging it to do something new in you and me. But are you secure enough to trust him when you can't quite see what he's doing? So notice what the new normal brings into our lives. I call it the ugly relatives of the new norm, okay? And Peter, if you go back to the story with him fishing, you'll pick up these little clues, these these bad normal characteristics. The first thing we see in the story was it was dark. See, they were fishing at night. They were fishing at night. In other words, what were they not seeing because they went back to the normal? See, we're longing to go back to... Uh, what was, to a vision of what was, and that keeps us from a vision of what could be. See, and, and so sometimes we're in the dark. When we're in the dark, there is a lack of revelation. 
when we go back to what was, when we live in the dark, we don't see. We don't see what God wants to see. When there's no vision, the people perish. And so the normal is the dark. The, the light is where the new vision is. And again, I said this before, crisis can bring clarity if we embrace it. And I've had to, as a habit, get more of, you know, get the word in me. I got to get in the word until the word gets in me, right? Instead of getting the world, because if I'm getting more in the world, then the world's view and vantage point is getting in me, and it's affecting my ability to see what God is trying to do. God's view is what is happening. Are you in the dark in this crisis, or are you in the light? The second ugly relative is normal is influence normal influences others to follow um, Peter influenced the, these guys to go back to the normal and, and when he went back fishing. I would just ask you this. Who are you influencing dur- during this time, during this period, during this crisis that we've been in? And how are you influencing them? You know, to what ex- we all have influence in some measure. Are you influencing people and, and, and causing them to freak out and, and to be in fear and not in faith? Are those people that are around you encouraged or are they discouraged? Are those people around you getting ideas and innovation? Are those people feeling, you know, shut down, closed, and hopeless? Let's not use our influence to take us back. Let's use our influence to take people forward. That's what a multiplier does. And the third relative of normal is normal uh, didn't, doesn't recognize Jesus when Jesus is right there in front of you. See, the Bible says the next day after they had fished all night, Jesus shows up. He's right there on the shore, and they didn't recognize him. You know why? Because they were living in the rear view mirror. They couldn't even see Jesus was right under their nose. He was right there. And so what, what does Jesus want to do in my life that if I'm not careful, I, I'm too busy. I'm looking back too much. I'm determined to go back to the normal that I miss, I not see, and I not recognize what he's doing right here, right now. And if I don't recognize Jesus, what harvest, what productivity, what opportunity, what success, what change am I going to miss out on? See, these ugly relatives can get on our way. Don't miss what, what Jesus wants to do. Open your eyes, church. I'm praying in Jesus' name that God open your eyes. The fourth ugly relative is its efforts are met with failure. When you go back to normal, those efforts, no matter how hard you work, they fished all night, everybody. These were pro-fishermen. Like if I went out and fished all night, you would expect I wouldn't catch anything because I don't know what I'm doing. But they fished all night and they caught nothing. Zero. Zero. And, and, and so they probably went to all the best spots, all the old, you know, spots where they did so well. <clears throat> Can I say this? I'm not sure that getting back to the normal is the most productive thing for you to do. I'm not sure that going back to normal at Connect Church is the most productive thing that we can do. Now, here's point number two, two-point message. The second point, and this is important, the new normal, are you getting something out of it? If you're getting something out of this, then give me some likes, say, say something on there, okay? Pastor, I'm with you, I'm with you, okay? The second point is this, the new normal will require new approaches. New normal requires new approaches. And I would just ask you, what are you learning? Uh, what, um, 
What, what ideas, what changes, what habits are being formed in you uh, personally? What, how are you tweaking what you do? How is your approach different now? How do you treat your spouse? How do you treat your kids in lieu of what you're learning? What's your relationship with God like? I promise you he's trying to do something there. And how should we worship together as the church of Jesus Christ? How should we worship as Connect Church? And so I want to introduce a little bit of our regather vision quickly to you. Our regather plan here. And there's going to be some supportive slides that go up. But I want to give you three things that we're doing as a church, okay? As we go forward, this is just for everyone who calls Connect Their Home to focus on. Three things. Here's the first thing. I want you to be others focused. What I think God has been speaking to us through this crisis is he wants us to be about others. And I've been more attuned to others, my neighbors, the people nearby, than probably any other time in many, many years. And you know what? <clears throat> there are opportunities right under your nose to share your faith, to give away what God's given you. Christianity is like breathing. You take it in, but you give it away. If you just breathe it in and don't do anything, you become weird. You become so heavenly-minded and no earthly good. But if you breathe it in and you exhale, that's what Christian behavior is like. And I'm calling you to focus on others where everyone, this is, your, this is kind of your mantra, each one reach one. If you will win one person to Jesus Christ, it will change your life. You have, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You have been called to make disciples. So others focus. Second thing is I'm calling everybody, this is a pillar here for this vision, is to engage fully in the church. Engage fully. I'm concerned for some of you because you're, 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 not, you're not only, um, you know, a fringe person, uh, you, that, those people, some, some of them are not even listening anymore. If you're a frequent flyer, you become more infrequent. If you're a family member, you haven't been fully engaged like you once were. There are ways for you to fully engage. Attend church every single week online or watch it on demand every single week. Get in a small group. We're going to be relaunching small groups very, very soon. Go to our website. Check it out. We're launching our small groups again. It's so important that you be in a small group more than any other time. If we can't gather big, we can, we can gather small. In fact, that's kind of our regather strategy. We're going, from, we're going from small to big. We're not going from big to small anymore. We're going from small to big. So get in a small group. Uh, do a watch party in your small group. Um, um, make sure that you're, you're serving on a regular basis. Be a contributor. Be a, be a giver. It's so important that you are fully engaged. And then lastly, I just want to encourage you uh, these three things to stay others focused, fully engaged, and have third, a missional mindset. What do I mean by that? I think God, through COVID, is trying to call us out of the world system, the world's way of thinking. You know what the world's way of thinking is? Me, 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 me. We got to get from me focused to kingdom focused. So it's not about what's best for me. It's not about how it works for me. It's I want to work for God. I want to do my best for God. And then those are the three pillars. Now our process, we have this thing we call the journey at Connect. And basically what we encourage people to do is get in church. We call that the big circle. And then we encourage them to go to some of the events we have. We call that kind of the social space circle. And then we say get in small groups or get on a team. Uh, that's kind of our, we call it personal space. And then out of that, we wanted you to establish these transformational friendships and relationships. We call that the private circle. We're flipping the whole thing now. And basically God said, Derek, 
I want you to see it the other way. We're not going from big to small. We're going from small to big. And so I want you to see in this graphic that every single, uh, every single, the path is there for you. I want you to have a relationship with somebody who's far from God, who's disconnected and not connected to God and to God's purpose for you. I want you to find one person that you can impact for Jesus Christ. Then I want to encourage you to get into a small group. Make sure that you're in and committed to that small group and that you're being pastored. And if you're a leader, you should lead a small group and pastor people. And then very soon, somewhere uh, in the very near future, we're going to have what's called city groups. Now, city groups are will take basically many groups, small groups, together to do a city group. Now, Small groups will have 10 or less people. Uh, city groups will be somewhere between 45 and 90 people. We can gather with 100 people or less, and we're going to have our small groups and our city groups meeting in strategic areas, preferably in homes, although we're not going to violate anybody's conscience or concerns, so we'll still have digital groups. If you want to lead a digital group, we'll always have that. We have an online campus for that purpose. But we'll have small groups with 10 or less, and then we'll have city groups with somewhere between 40 and 90 people, and we're going to have those meeting in strategic areas. Um, the Tri-County area, the Assabet Valley area, the Framingham Natick area, and Ashland. And then later, when those city groups have multiplied, somewhere between three and four city groups, then we will launch campuses in those areas. So basically, it's a multiplicative plan that starts from small to big. What's so cool about it is that the end result is we won't just be a regional church with certain influence. We will be a local church with regional influence. What do I mean? I mean, you can have a church in your neighborhood, not just far away that everybody comes to. See, God's flipping it. We're going to them. We're not just trying to get them to come to us. So in all of these, in this regather strategy, I want you to see God is up to something, and what he's up to is multiplicative. Can I have an amen out there? Then in terms of, that's the pillars, the process, the plan, we have a calendar. I want to encourage you to go to our website, weconnect.cc, and if you want to know what's happening within the church, um, just go to our website, click the events tab, and you will see a constant update of the different things that are happening within our church. Now, within our church, there's tons of activities. We are active and alive, okay? So there are house parties taking place. There are outreaches taking place on an organized level and soon to be on a small group level. You're going to see baptisms and pools in different areas within the region. There's an outdoor concert that's taking place. Uh, city groups will be starting up in August, the third week of August, and then again in September. So stand by, get ready, get involved in what you can now, begin to gather as you feel comfortable. We're going to be very safe. We're going to follow the guidelines and do that well. In fact, we're practicing now as a leadership, practicing now as a dream team, so you can be confident and you can be secure. But God has a plan. God's getting ready to do a brand new thing. We're not going to rush it. The timeline's in pencil. It's got a very flexible structure to it. If you have questions, call our office. I'd be happy to help you. I don't have the liberty or the time to be super explicit and detailed with you now. But here's the thing. As I go back into the message, a new normal requires a new approach. And everyone wants, I know you do, you all want to move to a new level. You all want to go to a new height. You all want to see a new thing. But many people don't want to make the climb. 
Many people don't want to count the cost. Many people don't want to make the effort or make the changes. And so because, you know this to be true. If you, all, if, you, if you do what you always done, you're going to get the results you always got. And so I want to encourage you through this story. Look at what it says back in John 21, verse 4. It says this, early in the morning. The morning is symbolic and representative. It reminds me that the dark times are not always going to be there. Morning is coming. I just want to encourage you. It's not going to be like this all the time. We're going to get through this. We're going to overcome this in Jesus' name. And I believe that, as, not just as a preacher, I believe that as a Christian. And then it says, uh, early in the morning, uh, Jesus stood on the shore. And again, all night they hadn't caught anything, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, I love that he does that, have you, have you got any fish? He knew the answer, of course. No, they said. He said, throw your net on the other side. You know what that represents? That represents a new approach. A new norm needs a new approach. What were you doing uh, before COVID? What were you doing before the virus that needed to change, that maybe still needs to change in your life uh, to, to, in order for there to be a new reality, in order for there to be something different? You might need to throw your net on the other side. Have you done that yet? He says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat and you will find, you will find some. You will find some fish. In other words, this is where productivity lies. This is where growth comes. This is where multiplication manifests. You can't go back to not catching things. You, if you go back to normal, you're going to go back to not catching things. If you want a new normal, if you want to find some fish, you're going to have to cast your net on the other side. You're going to have to do something different. And when they did, the Bible says, look at this. It says they were unable to haul in the net because there were so many fish. There was such a large number of fish. And I wonder what the large catch that God has for you if you will embrace the new normal and you'll throw your net on the other side. Verse 7, it says, Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said, It is the Lord. It is the Lord. And Simon heard him say this, It is the Lord. And then he wraps his outer garment around him, and he jumps in the water. He jumps into the new norm. They all had a revelation. It's Jesus. They have a revelation. There's a new normal. Theologians actually believe this was Peter's restoration moment. They come to the shore, and Jesus has a campfire, a fish fry for every, everyone there, and it's, and it's super intimate and personal. And I bet you that had to be a crazy moment for Peter because the last campfire, he denied Christ in front of a little girl. And in this campfire, he was being embraced by the one he denied. Amazing. So there was an old situation, a place of sorrow, and now an old fire. And now there's a new fire, a place of rejoicing. There was an old fire that was a place of temptation. It was a place, maybe for some, a place of safety, but for him, a place of failure. And now in this new campfire, it's a place of restoration. I believe the new is better. I believe if you will embrace the new reality, the new can be better for you. What does God want to do that's new in you? And what do you need to let go of in order for him to do it? What does he want to do that's new in our church? And I would just ask you, are you on board? Are you on board with this? Are you willing to follow us on this journey, going from smaller to bigger? If you are, God has something new he wants to do in you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to pray for you right where you are. And I don't ask you to close your eyes because it's spiritual, but it helps you focus. So right where you are, I want you to pray. I want to ask you a question. 
If Jesus was on the shore of your life right now, would you recognize him? Would you see him? Because he is. Jesus is on the shore of your life. And if you don't know him, I'm just encouraging you to get out of your comfort zone, to get out of your boat and come to Christ right now. Give your life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, there's going to be a little symbol that goes up and says, I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. I want you just to raise your hand right there online and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I see that he is the solution for all this pollution. I see that he is the answer for all of my problems. I see that I can't embrace a new reality until I embrace Jesus and become a new creation. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want you to say this with me from your heart, with your mouth. Say, Jesus, today I get outside of myself. I stop trying to save myself. I stop trying to, you know, go back to the normal, go back to what was. I know you want to do a new thing, but I'm asking you to do a brand new thing in my heart. Lord, make me a new creation in Christ Jesus. I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. Now, for every person who prayed that prayer, the Bible says the angels are rejoicing. The the Bible says that there's a party in heaven because of what you did. And for those of you who already made that decision before in the past, I want you to believe that God's going to do a new thing in your life. I want you to get on board with what God is doing at Connect Church. And I believe our best days are ahead in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, say amen. Let's all give God the best that we have. Let's love on Jesus. I love you guys. I can't wait to see you next Sunday. God bless you.